everybody, welcome back to We and You, where we talk about the Kentucky Commission on Human Rights and a little bit about what's going on in our area. I am Terrence Sullivan. And I'm Brittany Cook. Sirens, can you hear them? There are none, so no. Well, that means you can't hear them. <laughs> that was the answer to the question. Got it. We're broadcasting from beautiful downtown Louisville here in the historic Hayburn building. Hey everybody, welcome back. Today is a an interesting conversation. Uh, that's that's a fair word for it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Interesting in the sense that um, as you listen to this, there is a strong likelihood that you still have no idea who actually won the presidential election. And the reason for that is part of our discussion today is the Electoral College. So today should be fun and interesting and hopefully um, informative. So the Electoral College. Um, First off, I think that one thing we should do is really explain what that means and why, well, maybe not why, but how that is reflected in our democracy. And so the Electoral College, uh, do you want to start with what you, you know about it? And then we can really, we can kind of just build off of what you say really to explain the college or... Yeah, so um, I, I've read a lot about the Electoral College, but a lot of it doesn't quite compute. So Is that where you got your degree, Electoral College? Yeah, <laughs> if only. <laughs> um, and so my understanding is essentially, to break it down into layman's terms, um, we have different districts within each state, um, depending on the amount of people, so the populations of those states. Um, and so they segment these districts and you get a vote per district. Please tell me at what point I get this wrong. Um, and <laughs> so <laughs> in the middle or at the end? No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I told you, look, I, I've read and read and it just, it's uh, help me out here. Okay, so the Electoral College, which, you know, depends on who you ask and what year you're asking, um, can be either seen as a great thing or a bad thing, or really just a confusing thing, which to most people it's very confusing. That one. Um, it's, it, it's interesting. So, what it is, is every state has in an election, every uh, presidential election, every state has a specific number of electoral votes that they are able to present in favor of the presidential candidate. And so the way that number is derived is it's the amount of representation that your state has in Congress. So Kentucky, for example, has eight electoral votes. That's because we have six congressional districts and two senators. 
So six plus two equals eight. Same thing. I said the same thing. <laughs> well, I did say one vote per district. And so what happens is every state has a specific number that they can then cast towards the election of the president. And those people who make that are called the electors. <laughs> um, and different states have different rules on how those electors are picked. And these people are supposed to, in theory, go and represent their state based on whatever that decision was um, for the president in that state. So, so again, going back to layman's terms, <laughs> my vote doesn't go to the election of the president necessarily. My vote goes to the elector. Yes and no. Because in the United States, we tally both the electoral votes and the popular vote. But which one counts? Well, the electoral vote is what counts because mm -hmm. if people can remember, in 2016, 2016. Hillary Clinton had 2.6, 2.7 million more votes than Donald Trump, but the votes didn't come from certain states, and so she fell behind in the electoral college. Um, as we speak... And that wasn't the first time that's happened, right? Correct. Um, Not even in our lives, lifetimes, I believe. Um, no. It only in the past eight elections... Um, I'll even go backwards. Most times when a Republican has won, in recent history at least, they have not won the popular vote, but won the um, electoral college. And that can be explained in multiple ways. Um, and in 2016, the electoral college was, it was one of the, if not the largest, I'm not certain, um, margins of victory in uh, the popular vote that did not result in a presidency. And as we speak right now, I think Joe Biden is close to four million more um, with the popular vote over Donald Trump. So, but a as we alluded to in the beginning of this, there's still no sure determination on the next president because there are five states outstanding whose votes have not completely been apportioned because they are still counting results. Um, there's mathematically no way for Donald Trump to surpass the popular vote at this point, but there is the possibility, depending on how states break and what happens with those electoral votes, that those electoral votes could go to Donald Trump while still being about four million behind in the popular vote. So someone might say, what? <laughs> uh, that's putting it mildly. That probably. someone was me. <laughs> <laughs> and there's quite a few um, things to discuss on that front. And one of the ones uh, we can get to later is how does that play out 
in relation to human rights and diversity and is it possibly a civil rights issue um, but right now just in the explanation phase the electoral college the goal of the electoral vote system is whoever gets 270 wins um, so not the millions <laughs> 270. And 270 is the magic number. So we have states who have, well, we have districts because a few states magically were able to uh, finagle their way that they don't do a winner takes all um, yeah, we've electoral got vote. Maine and Nebraska, is that yes. right? That are split votes. Mm -hmm. And that's just because their state allows it, but most states don't. Yes, <laughs> um, yes. The, it's it's a very confusing um, process on how those got to be outliers, but one that, quite frankly, some other people should look at. Um, but it it's hard at this point to shift how your electoral uh, rules go, and. 270 is the magic number because in theory that then gives you the majority of the electoral votes because there's no way both people could have more than 270. There is a very dis strange possibility that both people could have 269, um, which then means there's a separate process for choosing a president. If, Yikes. <laughs> if anyone watches Veep, um, it has covered this in more ways. Veep right now, if you ever, if you watch the next to last season, I believe, looks like a documentary <laughs> of what's going on right now because the election on Veep comes down to Nevada, and it ends up being That's interesting. Spoiler timing. alert! <laughs> it ends up being possibly a 269-269 tie, um, which then shifts the vote of the presidency to Congress and the House of Representatives, who then select <laughs> the president, which, um, depending on what you want, that would mean in our situation right now that um, Nancy Pelosi and the House would have the pick of who became the next president, which then that could be a very interesting conversation because um, it doesn't have to be either of the two people who are running. <laughs> it can be anyone that they want. This doesn't sound like an election anymore. This sounds <laughs> like a soap opera in the making. <laughs> it sounds like Veep season six, I believe. What's um, Veep on? HBO. Okay. Um, and even more true to real life um, on Veep for the same reasons. In that, se in that season, you had people who were working for one of the candidates protesting about needing to count, the vo count all the votes. And then one of them got a message and they changed their protest in the middle of it to say, stop counting the votes and went to court to argue for both of them. Interesting. Um, which 
we are definitely hearing right now. And it's, yeah, it's just, you know, it's, it's a thing. It's interesting. Um, so can Nevada split their votes? Is that what we're saying the concern is? Is that how we would do to, we would get to 269 on one side? No. So right now, depending on what station, um, what out, outlet or whatever network you're following, they have called different states for different people um, just because everyone has their own threshold of when and where they would call a race. And currently, from any outlet that I've seen, I don't see math to give Joe Biden 269 because on most counts he's at 264 and there's no 5.5 vote state outstanding. It's only, the smallest is Nevada, which is six. Mm, And then you have um, Pennsylvania, which is 20, Georgia, which is 16, um, North Carolina is 15. Look at you knowing all the numbers. um, (laughs) (laughs) This is what I I did. Um, So right now, mathematically, unless some states had issues and they had to read call their votes and count over um there's no mathematical path anymore for 269 um right now i was actually doing the math about an hour ago um and i'm looking at the new york times um actually let's use wall street journal um Looking at the Wall Street Journal live results as we speak, um, I'll do a little bit of math. We have, oh, there was one that's outstanding that is three electoral votes. I didn't know Alaska hadn't been called by people yet. Um, But kind of has been called. Yeah. Right. Alaska, and it's three. It's (laughs) like a pretty decent differential that you know odds i guess are showing there's no way could go yeah so on this 264 for biden and 214 for trump um looking at what's remaining in the electoral votes we have pennsylvania with their 20 north carolina with their 15 and georgia with their 16 so that's 20 plus 15 that's 35 plus 16 is 51. Oh, I don't do math. (laughs) (laughs) 20 plus 15, 35 plus 16. I think I did some playing around last night. I know I did some playing around last night, but I think when I did the playing around, the only way that, the only path to 270 on Trump's side as of last night, was to pull all of those states, including Nevada? So, right now, doing the math, that's 214 plus the 51 if each of those three states went to Donald Trump. Um, And then Nevada is another six. So that could be, that could do it. 
plus there's three outstanding with Alaska. Mm -hmm. um, so mathematically, and I feel like I did this wrong because let's see, 20, 15, 35, and then no, 51, and so that's 57. 214 plus 57 11 seven. yeah so, so I, with winning all of those states mm -hmm. there's a possibility yeah um and the difference is as it sits now um biden needs one of any of them except mm -hmm. for alaska which mm -hmm. for it to be 270 so we say all of that not as any endorsement or of anyone but just really to give a an explanation or a, provide a picture and context of what currently exists or where we currently sit so the breakdown of that would be there essentially about i said i don't do math 15 ways for biden to win but only one way for trump to win yes in the electoral college yes and that gets us to um, really what I wanted to talk about. And we could go through some of the reasoning for the Electoral College. But looking at the possibility um, of states where there is a large difference in where votes go and looking at an election be it 2016 or 2000 where the popular vote goes one way and the electoral college goes the other one of the questions i wanted to talk about was really how fair and by fair i don't mean as in a game or anything like that, but in terms of the principles of democracy and one vote, one or one person, one vote, uh, the concept, how do you feel like this plays with that concept? Yeah, let's talk about it. <laughs> um, before we get to that though, um, and not because it of, you know, one party or another, but an announcement was made last night that um, at least one of the candidates has now received more votes than any candidate has ever received in history, which to me just breaks down to <laughs> you guys went out and voted. I mean, look at all that work. I love it. And um, I love that people are using the power that they feel that they have and the quote-unquote civic duty to go out and voice who they want to see in the White House and yeah. other areas around <laughs> D.C. <laughs> yes, we tried to mention it every, at the end of every show that people needed to get out and vote, and it sounds like people did, um, so we will take full credit. <laughs> <laughs> Give us all the credit. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Unless you want to, then you can. <laughs> but only to Brittany. I don't like credit. Credit is... Oh, hush. <laughs> Brittany likes credit. 
Um, but yeah, so my initial thoughts, in, and again, not going into the history of the Electoral College yet, but my initial thoughts are, it seems interesting and potentially frustrating to see that the overwhelming majority of people could select a person to govern all of those people, but the person who received the minority of the votes in that contest, so was picked by the fewest people, gets to govern everyone. And it seems contrary to our concept of a democracy that everyone's vote is supposed to be equal. Um, I think, uh, and I might be wrong, I'm not a history buff, but I kind of feel like in some book or some rhyme about taxation and representation that people came to this country and dissolved from another country about un something about unfair representation or something like that. Something like that. And so it, it seems contrary to the principles that started this whole kit and caboodle um, that we enacted a process by which in many cases the person chosen by the few governs the many and I'm just looking again at the numbers currently where it's approaching four, four million people have chosen a different way however the placement of where those people come from seems to matter more and so being in Kentucky with our eight electoral votes um, They've gone historically for one party, except for in 92. Um, and it, it's been pretty consistent, but you have states with, and there are a lot of states like that where they don't have a lot of population, they don't have very many urban areas, they don't have much diversity, and their vote in those places is equal or more than the vote of more populated, more diverse areas. And I, I say that to point out California and its um, 55 electoral votes. There are millions upon millions of people who vote in California um, just giving you a just for illuminating this 12 million people have already have voted that have been tabulated as we talk and that's only 66 percent of the vote being reported Pew. so that's multiple kentuckys that have already <laughs> voted and that's if everyone including babies were allowed to vote and that's just the voting population mm -hmm. and that's who's and so those people and then you look at a Wyoming or with its three electoral votes or North Dakota South Dakota 
um, states where their population is smaller than the city of Louisville who have I can't remember the exact number but it was like three and a half times the say of someone in California and looking at demographics of those areas it then equates to mathematically it equates to certain white votes equal a greater number than votes from more diverse states. So break that down for me. You said states like North Dakota, South Dakota, Wyoming could have three and a half times more power in their vote. Why is that? So California is a good example because it's our largest state. It's the most electoral votes. And so they have 55 electoral votes. And again, the electoral votes come from your congressional representation plus with your congressional districts and then your senators. Every state, no matter the size, has two senators. So that mm -hmm. already creates an imbalance of power mm -hmm. because every state has the same amount of representation um, in the upper chamber due to their fact they're due to the fact that they everyone's given to. So off the bat, that creates some form of inequity because of the disproportionate um, allotment. And what I... So if you're looking at like a pyramid effect of representation in a democracy, essentially the Senate adjust that to a diamond for some states. Yes. Um, and what that creates is just an imbalance that treats us all. And you might say, okay, that sounds great because aren't, isn't, wouldn't we want all states to be equal? Because from a human rights and civil rights aspect, it's like, why would we punish someone for living in South Dakota and say they don't get two senators because California only gets two senators? Well, that's partly why we have Congress the way that we do. Mm -hmm. Congressional districts are drawn to where every con congressional district has roughly the same amount of people in it, which creates a more democratic approach to governance because people are represented proportionate to their population. And if you look at the makeup of the House of Representatives, it's a lot more diverse than the Senate because we are able to break it down a little to a more granular level where it is community specific as opposed to a whole state. You are listening to We and You here on Forward Radio 106.5 FM and forwardradio.org.
We are independent, not-for-profit, listener-sponsored, volunteer-powered, community radio, and we rely on your contributions to stay on air. Please go to forwardradio.org, click participate to get behind these microphones, and click donate if you like what you're hearing and want to help sustain it. Consider sponsoring an entire day's broadcast with a gift of just $20 to Forward Radio. Back to the question about why this could be an issue or what it looks like and how California or someone in, say, Wyoming um, has more power than someone in California. So the high, California has the most registered voters. As of last year, which we know these have gone up, they had 15,690,000 registered voters. The smallest, let's see, it is Wyoming. I want to get the exact number of registered voters. Wyoming has 268,000, so Wyoming has 268,837 registered voters. That is a few, just for context for people in Louisville, um, that's a few, that's, let's see. The west end of Louisville is about what, sixty to a hundred thousand. Yeah, um, something like that. It's probably this is just guessing, but it's probably a few neighborhoods. If we dissected Louisville and went west of sixty-five and added in below the Waterson and out to the Gene Snyder, so it's a cross-section maybe a third of Louisville and that's they have two senators and a congressperson um so whereas Louisville <laughs> didn't get a vote at all via the electoral college right and Wyoming has three so I'll try to do math but this is bigger numbers but the vote, so 15, I should have done this math and, beforehand. And for those of you, you know, listening, uh, Terrence is legitimately doing the math over here, like, by hand, um, even though he has three electronic devices <laughs> in front of him. Um, but this is, this is, you know, to show how some folks' brains work. Well, um... I was trying to remember how I should do that math. But anyway, looking at the 55 votes is representative of 15, roughly 16,000 people. We'll just round up. So 15, yeah, that's what I did. And then I was trying to think of, I think I did it backwards. Um, yeah, okay. So for every vote in California, it's point. Two. 
and sorry for the silence, I'm doing math to figure out how the weight of the different votes. Oh, you ain't cutting that? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not cutting it. We have to show the process, Brandon. Oh, okay. It's all about transparency. We can't I'm here like for we, some transparency. We know all of these things. We definitely don't. Well, <laughs> I definitely do not know all the things. So he's going to come up with another number, essentially what I came up with. And again, you know, my way of explaining is definitely not the way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, nor do I know that I understand it fully. So if you break down in California, one of their electoral college votes covers 272,727 people. So one vote for that many people. Um, if you're in Wyoming, though, you're getting three votes for less. Yeah. So you're getting three votes for 268,837 people. So, so that's, to yeah. me, that, that outlines, like, your vote is three times, is worth three times more than mine if I'm in California and yes. you're in Wyoming. So doing the math and then checking it, <laughs> I was very close on my guess of three and a half, of 3.5. Uh, Wyoming is 3.6. You have 3.6 um, times more influence if you're voting in Wyoming than in California. So what do you think about that? I think I need to move to Wyoming. But if, <laughs> if you move to Wyoming, let's say a lot of people move to Wyoming to make a difference. Uh, then, then it's then gonna adjust that and it's gonna yeah. bring down that number. Is so, that fair? No. Why? <laughs> Because it, I feel like it also adjusts, so you know, I mean, I come from social services, and for me, you know, I've known families to move to higher population areas in order to receive more services or to even at least be in closer proximity to them so they can utilize those resources and those services. So we're now saying in my mind that the people that are in need of more resources and services have the least amount of voice. I mean, and that's one way to look at it. And again, this is not, we're not having this conversation to argue or discuss the political side of it. Or, oh, no, we're not political. Or ideology. <laughs> Over of, here, of anyways, any kind. on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really just highlighting some of the uh, disparity that does come out when you look at how the Electoral College really works. Um, and so going back to this 3.6 um, weight, it's interesting to then look at the demographics of those states with the power. So we're looking at California, and I'm using the Census and American Fact Finder um, and just getting an idea of what these states look like. So California is 79 or 71% white, 7% black, 
and the next highest, 15, almost 16% Asian. And that's just, that's not even including other different types or different subgroups within Asian. Um. So uh, again, I'll do the numbers. Again, looking at California with a population, the total population, not just the voting population, of 40 million people, 40 million, and around 71% identify as white, 7% um, black, there are 39% um, and these are again from the census and the identifiers they use but who identify as Hispanic or Latino and looking at Wyoming population 578,000 which is smaller than Louisville um, and it's 93% white Whew. One, Sorry, <laughs> that's just a lot of white people. One percent black, um, and then there are different, smaller statistical numbers of other races in Wyoming. And again, this is not to disparage Wyoming in any means, or white people, or white people. <laughs> but it's just to say, in this community, um, looking at. Wyoming versus California, Wyoming, which is 93% white, has 3.6 times the voting power of a California, which is not 93% white, but has much less voting power and authority than Wyoming. So this is where it's interesting. This is where the interest for me um, and for us comes in talking about rights and discrimination and how all of that plays out in the world is why do you think, without talking about it, without thinking the specific historical context, but why do you feel like, personally, this could be problematic? And why do you think this is allowed to happen? And by why this is allowed to happen, um, why does it, why is this a system that the United States uses in comparison to other countries? And this is all, your thoughts no we don't this is just a conversation not uh, asking for a research paper on <laughs> the um three-fifths clause and all of that which we can get to but. he says as my eyes are <laughs> so big with that kind of question yeah so i don't really understand why the Electoral College was put into place. Um, the only thing that I can assume um, in this, again, is going back to several readings that seem pretty obscure, um, is that they tried to make it more simple to count votes and to cast a winner. 
However, we're still counting individual votes, right? We still have a popular vote. So if we're still doing that, then I'm not really understanding why we have one method over the other that is received as the end-all be-all. So... And I'll be honest, you know, we've said, again, my personal views on it. And yes, I vote. In fact, Terrence looked me up last week and I'm a quote unquote super voter voter. (laughs) Um, because I vote in every single election offered in my district. Um, But when it comes down to the general election, um, when it comes down to the presidential election, I do not feel like my vote matters. I don't feel like it counts, um, and I don't feel like I'm heard. I still do it, um, but an, I'm not really sure that I know why I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Something that's interesting that I never think about, because I feel the same way, and I also am a super voter. Whoop, whoop. Hey, <laughs> super <laughs> voters <laughs> over here. <laughs> um... But I was talking to a friend in California yesterday who was saying that she felt the exact same way because her vote doesn't really do much because, one, it's weighted so much less heavily than even mine. And that's from a swing stater. Like, we're in Kentucky, so we know where our vote is going. But Not a swing stater, because she's in California, and they're always blue. They're not always blue. In the the presidential elections, except for when Reagan was running, because he was a movie star from California. Um, But she was saying the the other way that, that from us is no matter what, She's like, why am I voting? I know my state is overwhelmingly, by the millions, going to vote with the Democrats. And the only differentiation um, that she felt was in her congressional race, which is a Republican, but the state as a whole, um, they, she said that they don't really feel like they're part of the presidential discussion at all because as soon as it's it's they're like the Kentucky and Indiana of the West as soon as the (laughs) polls close they call it and yeah we had some folks (laughs) I know I was talking to some people right around goodness it was before you know our state split so we have some of our state in the central time zone mm-hmm. and some of it in the eastern time zone and before the central time zone polls closed they had already called our state and people were like what how do they do that and it's because the the amount of difference is so drastic that when it comes down to any of the population left it it like gets to this point where it doesn't even matter right and that's kind of how she said she feels in California is my vote doesn't matter because there are, what was it, 16 million other people voting and most of us are going to vote the same way and we're kind of taken as a given to any Democratic candidate. It's like they don't really have to think about what's going on with us. 
Um, and that just was fascinating to me because I know in Kentucky and Indiana, people who have had the similar sentiment, but the other way around, where it was like, I'm not giving anything because I know where my state's going and why am I even going to participate? And just to hear her say, like, I wish I could go vote somewhere else and make a difference. Um, coincidentally enough, her sister has just moved to Nevada and was excited because it was a swing state and consequential to go and vote and make their voice heard. And that's kind of what made me think about this conversation is who are we not disenfranchising, but making feel less invited like you to go vote, even though you're a super voter and will vote. But I'm sure there are people out there who want to vote and they basically think, well, I know where it's going to go, so I'm not going to bother. And I think that apathy is why we've had until this year, um, declining numbers of people voting or registering to vote or having that shift because it's starting to feel like, well, the way the system works, my vote doesn't really matter. And so back to the initial question of why, why it might be something that exists, because I personally don't think it makes it easier to try to think of how can all of these magical numbers equal 270 <laughs> as opposed to saying, okay, this person got three votes, this well, person got one. I'm with you on that. <laughs> I'm just trying to guess why somebody would come up with a different route. So I did a little research um, a couple times because I've had this conversation before. And there you are certain... cheated. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there are certain statements that people make as justification for having the Electoral College. And there are some... There's some discussion that it was an effort to balance high population Californias with low population Wyoming's to make it where politics and policies are for everyone and not you don't have someone running that just says you know what I'm gonna get 16 million votes in California and say screw it everybody else I'm never leaving my state um, and because if you run up the score in one place then you possibly don't have to run anywhere else um, and so it was a way to give That's a valid argument all the states possibly. a say yeah give all the states a seat at the table to say no you have to you can't ignore us because we only have 500,000 people you have to you have to earn our vote as opposed to, you know what, I'm going to hit California and New York. I'm good. I'm never doing anything else. Um, and but so, they do ignore us. We didn't have anybody come to Kentucky to try to change our state's vote or even enhance our state's <laughs> vote. And I, I think you're right. And that's, <laughs> it, it's a challenge, but it, there are, um, candidates do go to states that aren't California, Texas, and New York. Um, we've had this we've had this playbook where the uh, some states have become much more important like Ohio, 
Michigan, Pennsylvania, um, Florida. And so there are a lot more than just someone going to get all of the votes in one or two states. Now they just try to get most of the votes in five or six states. <laughs> um, so that's, that's one reason that they, one part of why some claim that we have the Electoral College. Another reason is that when we started all of this, we didn't have Twitter and Instagram and all these different ways that people could get information. And so there was a concern that different parts of the country would have different information. And so to level the playing field, you had to try to inform the whole country because you, again, that we don't want you to just go to New York or California argument. People in Nevada, Utah, Colorado, um, granted none of these existed when they started this, but those places also needed to know um, what your policies were, how things worked, and to be better informed of who they're voting for, but to also encourage you as the candidate to go and actually speak to them. Um, but if anyone has ever seen Blackish or Black AF, um, or pretty much anything Kenya Barris has done lately, um, one of the bigger reasons some people, um, many people, might say that we have the Electoral College is take a guess. And this is, and I mentioned those shows for a reason, but what do you think is the real, one of the reasons that people have said is the impetus behind Well, I mean, if we go down college. to populations and trends um, and, you know, urban or larger population areas versus smaller population areas and the amount of representation they have per electoral college vote, I would say it's that the assumption would be to decrease the voice of uh, black America. Yes, but even more, <laughs> and the reason I mentioned those shows is they always, there's a running theme about how everything in the United States can be tied back to racism and slavery. And same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and looking back at the the some of the conversations and the measurements put into the electoral college system, um, there's a driving factor of racism and slavery. And it's even talked about when they were proposing the system at the um, Philadelphia Convention. And when, when we're drawing out how this whole country, and as I said, the kit and caboodle is going to work, um, looking at the states and how they apportion votes, they wanted to factor in um, population based on a certain thing. Um, and they also were wondering, well, what do we do with these states, or the, yeah, these states in the South who have smaller populations because they weren't counting, you know, people like me 
as a full part of the population. Now we're going back to the three-fifths compromise. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yes. And so um, the Electoral College was proposed as a way to balance out the northern states who had the larger populations and all of that with the southern states who had smaller populations because I wasn't considered a whole person. And so... Only three-fifths. And so using the Electoral College um, allowed for a different computation of population with these states, but also gave them a little bit more power so they weren't a Wyoming with three electoral votes, but you could become a Kentucky with eight electoral votes. And so it was all a big compromise, and we've then run on with that as a um, something that has lasted. And all of that comes full circle because as we watch um, election results trickle in, it's I've personally seen a lot of comments around how in the world does someone have now four million more votes and they're not the winner? And it is really a question of how does this play out in fairness? Is it is it inherently unfair or is it unfair in practice? Or is it something that we can or should modify and that's the one question i wanted to ask your thoughts on before we wrapped up is how do you feel about changes or how do you feel this system works in reality even and we're not going to impugn or impart any nefarious intent on the structure how do you feel this system plays out in a fairness and civil rights lens? Which is the question we started with and the question we'll end with. How do you feel that this plays in that, from that perspective? Um, I feel like, as with most things that have been predated in our systems, um, this is with, you know, down to our constitution. Um, some people say that our constitution was created for a certain reason and there's no reason to change it, but our constitution consists of many amendments and those amendments have only been made to assist in ensuring that more people are represented, that more people are heard, that more people are protected which is what we're here to do. And if we want to protect the voices of our people, then we need to, at the very least, put a lens on it, make sure that we are educating voters. I mean, like we said, super voter here. Did <laughs> I know this much about the system before, you know, the beginning of this hour, no. Um, so we need to educate our voters on the current system so they can understand what it is that's happening, how their voice is heard, and then let them make the decision on 
whether or not this system should be adjusted so that people feel like their vote counts. I, I think that makes perfect sense. And the last thing I would want to say about this as we um, wait and see what happens is, and I'll, I'll, Brittany doesn't know this, but I was going to ask her about this using this image somewhere, but I would encourage people to look at the image of the county breakdown of the electoral votes and then the one that shifts it to an actual population um, representation of the electoral college just for a real um, indication of what it really looks like and how the system actually works. Um, so Can you give them a little um, clip on where to go for that? I can't. <laughs> I, I know um, you could Google land doesn't vote and okay. I'm positive it will show up. Um, I probably should look now, but I'm going to guess that it shows up. <laughs> and if it does it, then something similar will probably come up. But hopefully we can also post a link or something. So with that, um, hopefully when you're done listening to this, there's a little more clarity on the next four years. And no matter what... Um, we are here for you. Yes, just like that. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, no matter what, we are here. And we hope to still be talking about different things going on in our area um, four years from now. And we will see you then. As a reminder, any views expressed on the program do not represent those of Forward Radio or its board of directors. The music you hear throughout this recording was produced by Esquire Music alongside Spice Productions.